Welcome back to Resident Strangers, where we're talking about Christian thinking in a foreign world. I'm your host, Sarah Shallow, and I'm joined in the studio with Steve Ingram and Rich Holland. Hi, Sarah. Hey. Hi, Steve. Uh, Hello. We're all just... I was just sitting noticing I didn't pay her to do this, but I did get first billing every time so far. You did? Yes. You've been named first. That's okay. There you go. We won't talk about how it's alphabetical, but... Oh, is it alphabetical? (laughs) No. Rich comes before Steve, right? We do last name, but anyway, let's get into today's topic. It's a, it's a big one. We're talking about who is God. Mm. Now, if you remember back in episode two, we kind of started just by reading from our doctrinal statement. We are Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona, and we have, um, our, our doctrinal statement available on our website. We can link that in the show notes if people are wanting to go through and look, but, but Number two, right there on our list, here's how we define who God is. There is one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As God, the Father is infinite, eternal, all-sufficient, unchangeable, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, holy, just, merciful, and loving. Amen. Mm. Amen. <laughs> so we have a lot to break I guess down. We're going we're gonna to unpack that in the next yeah. uh, 20 minutes. Right? I was going to say, we have a lot to break down in, you know, we're trying to keep these episodes short for you all. So we're going to really try to just parse out some of the maybe harder to understand things. So we're going to start right off. Rich is going to start explaining the Trinity to yeah, us. We're so- talking about an egg. No. Okay. Oh, what now? An egg? The egg? I always heard that as a kid. The, the shell? The, oh, the no. Trinity. Those are bad. Well, oh, I know. It's terrible. It's terrible. Well, I was going to say, I said, I mean, I know I was a kid, but as a kid, I was like, all right, I don't know if I yeah. understand this. And then as an adult, I still am like, the egg. I'm going to hard pass on the egg. Okay, so no eggs. That's right. called modalism. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's what we believe. <laughs> No eggs, no eggs. All right, Rich, so the Trinity. Do you, do you remember way back in episode one, when we were talking about theological method, we talked about what systematic theology is, right? We search the scripture, the entirety of scripture to see what it says about a particular subject. And that's really when we talk about the Trinity as a reference or a description of God, that's what we're talking about. We are searching the entirety of scripture to see what God has said about himself. And what Christians have said from the beginning is that what scripture reveals is that there's one God who exists as three persons. So we say there's one God, one being who exists as three persons. And those three persons are the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. So, um, you know, throughout church history, there's been a lot of controversy and discussion about what exactly that means. Um, So a lot of times people will describe that in terms of what it doesn't mean, because really, if you think about it, (laughs) any further explanation (laughs) of trying to to sort of say, well, what that really means is normally that's where you go wrong, Mm -hmm. right? That's where theologians have, have said, no, no, that's not what scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that there's one God exists in three persons. So we, we don't mean that there's one person, 
right? There's not one person with three different faces that, that like you were saying before, that's modalism, right? Uh, and we're not saying that there are three gods. We're not saying that either. Scripture says that there's one God and there's three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And so each person is presented to us in Scripture as truly being God who fully shares the divine nature. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Each person is truly and eternally God. And the persons are distinct. We shouldn't confuse the persons, right? The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father and so forth. So, and you're right, you know, you, you use the egg thing in the beginning. And many times people do try to come up with uh, illustrations or simplified descriptions. And almost always they end up being wrong. Right. You brought up the egg. I've heard the, the, the water one, the three phases of yep. water, steam, ice and liquid water. Right. None I was of, never good at science. So yeah, I guess if I had to choose. But. Yeah. So we believe that this is what scripture teaches about God. Right. That this uh, uh, God is there's one being one God who exists in three persons. And if you want an analogy, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, the terms father, son, and spirit are in a sense, an analogy. This is a, this is accommodated language that God uses to refer to himself. God is not like literally a human father, like a human father is a father and the son is not a son. Like one of my sons is a son, right? So even that language is sort of analogical. It's designed to help us understand. But I've seen people take that language and go, well, you know, I'm a father of my son, but I'm a son of my father. Right, and yeah. and again, you're now back into this idea of modalism is just kind of what mode. And no, no, he exists in three persons. Right. And of course, the big picture that we have of this is scripture is that the baptism of Jesus. Yep. So you have Jesus being baptized. You have the father speaking from heaven this is my beloved son and you have the spirit descending on him as a dove so three distinct persons yet one god so there are a lot of there are a lot of studies out there I, uh if if somebody our listeners were to pick up a systematic theology book uh i've got one here next to me by adam harwood um you know these you uh, these theologians who put these books together will go through and they'll explain all of the biblical witness that leads us to this conclusion. We can't do it in a short episode like this, uh, but lots of people have, right? This is something that when you search the entirety of scripture and you take all of the little pieces of data that God tells us about himself and you put them all together, this is where we come up with the Trinity. So there isn't there nowhere in scripture will you find a verse that says God is one God in three persons. You won't find that anywhere. You won't find the word Trinity in the Bible anywhere. But nevertheless, when you look at what the Bible says about God, this is the conclusion we come to. It's one God who exists in three persons. And as God, so one of the things that sometimes people, when you get into a doctrinal statement or a systematic theology, this is often called theology proper. Uh, so explaining the Trinity, but then it typically always morphs in, like it does in our statement, into a description of God and we most often see that in reference to the Father. So as we talk about as God, the Father's infinite, 
eternal, all-sufficient, unchangeable, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. The same is true of the Spirit. The same is true of of right. Jesus. Right. But yet, when we get to Jesus and we get to the Holy Spirit, they have other roles and things, and so we tend to focus more on those specifically in those studies. So when we talk about the fact that he's infinite, and that means you just can't get to the end of him. So in um, maybe full disclosure, uh, personally, uh, you know, one of the things that sometimes I've struggled with, especially when I was a little kid was, so if we're going to live forever and ever, aren't we going to get bored? I'm sure nobody else has thought about that, but that's probably (laughs) a little bit of my OCD mind. And one of the things that I've come to is to understand, no, because throughout all of eternity, because God is infinite, we're never going to get to the end of him. We are continually going to be able to learn and to explore and to re he will, I think we reveal more and more of himself. And so that becomes an eternal pursuit because he is, he's infinite. He's eternal. Now I really ought to let Rich get into this, but this mm. is probably a standalone. Yeah, maybe we'll do it. Yeah, because uh, Rich is, you may not know this, he's an author. Yep. Working on a, actually a book now. Um, yeah, we just, we finished it up. Uh, it's a intro to philosophy textbook. Is this an exclusive announcement? No, I shouldn't. Oh. No. no. <laughs> but, he, Never mind. but this is not his first book. His no. first book is actually on the nature of God, that he is eternal. Uh, because often we talk about God creating time, and Rich would argue God did not create that's, time. That's right, I would. And okay. we'll have, I'm tempted to launch into it, but we will have to save we that for another episode. We do not have time for that. <laughs> but we, I mean, as everyone's listening, you can probably hear, we, we've even just in the few, what, almost 10 minutes we've been in this episode, there's been little things mentioned here and there that we could do entire episodes on. Totally. So we're, again, as I've said well, many times. Jesus tarries, maybe. maybe. Yeah. We'll, we'll, get right. we'll get to it. We'll, Episode 3056. Right. Right? I was going to say, we're, we plan to do this for, you know, if we're getting good engagement and you all are loving it, then we, we've got plenty to talk about. So, But the idea that he's eternal is that he has no beginning and no end. So he's eternal, all sufficient. He, he doesn't need anything outside of himself. You know, this idea that God needed man or he didn't he didn't he doesn't need anything right uh he's unchangeable now one of the pieces of this i think sometimes people understand is that that does not mean that god works the same way all the time or that he um interacts with mankind the same way he in his nature is unchangeable he is consistent in who he is but he often operates right jesus was not here the whole time jesus came in the fullness of time he operated in a different way in in that moment but he's unchangeable so i don't have to wonder today or you know if if god somehow has changed and now somehow doesn't love me right because he unchangeable Uh, i think we get omnipresent omniscient omnipotent holy just well yeah i'm you know i was thinking about omnipresent thinking back to our uh the sermon series this past summer about jonah Mm -hmm. who is trying to flee away from god right there's this idea uh especially you know in the pagan cultures and things that gods were localized right and so when we talk when we think about god being omnipresent 
you know, we're not saying that God is at a place because God isn't a physical body, right? What we're saying is that God is immediately active and engaged and knows about everywhere at all times, right? Uh, he, he's everywhere. So you can't flee from God. God, God in that sense is everywhere. He's there. And when in your heart, maybe you're mad at God for some reason, mm. but you don't want to tell him, he already knows because he's omniscient. <laughs> omniscient that's so right. So you might as well just be honest with him, right? Because he already knows. And uh, I wanted to, uh, one of the, to me, it's, it's one of the great passages on the nature of God. It's found back in the book of, of Exodus. So, of course, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, really God is revealing himself both through the written word of Scripture, but it is the tale of God revealing himself to his people. And if you remember the story, he gave him Ten Commandments, Moses went down, but he broke them, right? Because they had walked away from the Lord. So he goes back up. This time he had to carry the two stones up, which I think he probably regretted breaking the first ones. Um, but he gets up there, and this is what it says. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed. So this is... This is such a unique self-revelation of God to Moses and ultimately to the children of Israel and to us. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. Yet, he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. And in our own time and culture, one of the things that I think corrupts our understanding of who God is, our, our, a good theology is we'll take one attribute or two attributes of God and we, we make it the whole thing yeah and what i love about there is you see his loving kindness you see his compassion you see his mercy but you also see his justice you also see that he will not allow the guilty to go unpunished why because he is a god of justice he he cannot go against his own nature you know sometimes people will why why couldn't he just forgive sin why did jesus have to go to the cross because by his very nature he is just and he is holy and that's what demanded for there to be atonement and so but you see it there those two short little verses mm -hmm. but you know, if all you had in scripture was that, man, it tells us so much about who our God is. And I think gives us a lot of hope and comfort and understanding. That that made me think immediately of some of the New Testament Testament references to God, like in Second Peter. Uh, you know, they're sitting around persecuted thinking, you know, well, Jesus hadn't come back yet. What's going on? Has God forgotten about us? You know, and, and Peter said, God, you know, God is not slow. He's not, he's not, uh, he is faithful. He hasn't forgotten about anybody, but he's, he's waiting, right? He's yeah. waiting for people to come to repentance. He does not wish for any to perish. He, he's, yeah. 
So it's consistent. And that's the thing I hope people will understand. Uh, when you start studying theology, the consistency of the word of God uh, is just, it's incredible. Um, and if you understand, you know, and if it's not consistent, then you, you're misunderstanding something because it is consistent. It is his word, his self-revelation throughout the 66 books. And uh, it's just beautiful to pick up pieces of it here, there, and yonder where you see it. Well, and I think that's something where, you know, you just can't even compare Christianity to other beliefs and religions because our text doesn't change. You know, you think of the Mormon doctrine that is constantly changing or, you know, whatever it may be. So it's, it's encouraging. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, it brings about a peace and I think a settlement of the spirit when you can go in studying, knowing that there is going to be consistency and you're not going to, you might have questions, but you're, you're always going to be able to circle back and find the answer. Well, and the fact that he starts and it, and it's, that seems to be one of the consistent aspects when he describes himself, he typically starts with his mercy and his love. And you do compare that to the, the God of, of, you know, Buddha and uh, the Islam, where God is distant, where God is not compassionate. And yet the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it is a loving, mm-hmm. personal, caring God who is involved in, in people's lives and cares about them. Well, you said, you said a few minutes ago, Steve, that sometimes we mess this up if we just take one attribute and focus on it. I think another thing that gets people messed up um, is a comparison, uh, comparing God to a person, a human person, right? Especially God has revealed himself as father. And then, so I'm, then I compare God mm-hmm. to my father. And then it messes me up theologically because I think that, well, God must be just like my father. Um, and of course, you know, that's not the way we want to do it. We want to think, no, no, God is the perfect father. And so earthly fathers are, you know, maybe should strive to be loving like the father is loving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nor is God the, the big grandfather in the sky yeah. Yeah, that's right that's <laughs> right let you get away with everything right that's right spoils so we've got a few minutes left i just want to ask one more question so you know we we've mentioned a couple different religions belief systems are mm. they all the same god oh i had i just wrote this down in my notes did you see that did you see me writing that down sarah maybe <laughs> <laughs> i just wrote that in my notes can i yeah. take a stab at that absolutely. one absolutely so th- this has been in you know, it's been out there, it's been on the internet, do Christians and Muslims worship the same God? Well, look, um, okay, so let me say this, there's only one God who exists, period, end of story, right? So in that sense, it's not possible to worship a God who doesn't exist. So insofar as somebody is worshiping God, they're worshiping the one true God. The problem, though, it's actually something we touched on in an earlier episode. I don't remember which one. Maybe the first episode we were talking about theological mistakes. The problem is that different religious systems, they'll use the same terminology, but they don't mean anywhere close to the same thing. Even Latter-day Saints, when they say God, if you get into their metaphysics, it is not remotely similar 
to the God who revealed himself in the Bible, not in any way. And the same thing would be true for Islam. So we just have to make sure we understand that we're thinking about a God who exists. Religion is not multiple choice, right? There is reality. And if we're interested at all in living a flourishing life, we want to conform our thinking to reality. So our goal then is to get to know the God who actually exists. We can't get into all that now in such a short episode, but there are lots of good reasons why I think that the Bible is true and that the Christian, historically Christian conception of God is correct. And that's the only God who exists, the only God then who could be worshiped. Did that make sense? Oh, it made sense. Steve, did you have any, anything to add? Other than you can tell we have a philosopher at the mic. I <laughs> yeah. love it. I love it. It's, it's a great point. It's awesome. Well, Rich and Steve, thank you both so much. This has been another great episode. We are out of time, but we'll be back next week kind of talking about some of those questions about understanding who God is. Sarah, one thing I did want to mention is that if people have questions about theology and how to live this out. We would love to get those questions. We may not be able to answer them, you know, in the next week or whatever, but we will try to get to them. So you can email those questions to resident strangers at dscchurch.com. So D is in David, S is in Sam, C is in Charlie, church. That's how we get it. Absolutely. We'll make sure that's spelled out in the show notes. It's been in the show notes. You know, maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't. And also just a quick plug for the show notes. You know, when Steve and Rich are mentioning these, these articles and books kind of offhand, I'm putting those all in there for you to go look and study yourself. So the show notes are a great resource for all of you as you're listening to this episode or all of the episodes. So thank you both so much. Like I said earlier, it's been another great episode and we'll be back next week talking about these questions, understanding who God is. Thanks for listening to Resident Strangers, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. Resident Strangers is hosted by Steve Ingram, Rich Holland, and me, Sarah Shallow. Our show is produced by Brandon and Brittany Petrie, and again, me, Sarah Shallow. If you like our podcast, please remember to share, subscribe, leave a review, and visit dscchurch.com for more information.